We've been in a study entitled Experiencing God. And as we have uh, been in this study, we are focusing on the seven realities of what it means to experience God and to know and to do His will. And so uh, each Sunday, we are covering one of those realities. And uh, let me just walk through those realities with you again and look at the diagram that we have on experiencing God. First of all, the first thing that we looked at is the first reality is God is always at work around you. God is always at work around you. And as he is always at work around you, part of our desire is to understand what that work is. And so that's where the second reality is, and that is that God pursues a continuing love relationship with you, a relationship that is real and that is personal. And so last week we talked about this and about the intimate relationship that God desires to have with us. And so once we understand that he has this desire for that relationship with us, then the third is what we call the invitation, and that is that God invites you to become involved with him in his work. So he's already at work, which is great, and he wants you to be involved in that, so you have to have that love relationship with with him. Once you get that, he issues you an invitation for you to become involved in his work. And then we move to the fourth reality, and that is that God speaks. And he speaks by the Holy Spirit. He speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and through the church. And he reveals himself and his purposes and his ways. And once God speaks and makes that revelation to you, then you come to the fifth reality, and that's a crisis of belief. God's invitation to you always leads you to a crisis of belief that will require both faith and action. And once that decision is made, then you move to the adjustment. And that is that you must make major adjustments in your life to join God in where he is working. And once you've made those adjustments, you then hit the seventh reality, and that is that you come to know God by obeying him and by experiencing him. And as you do this, you will then accomplish the will that he has for your life and accomplish the work that he so desires. This is the seven realities of experiencing God, knowing and doing God's will. Today, we want to focus on the third one, and that is the invitation. And that is that God invites you to become involved in his work. Now, there's all kinds of invitations that we get. Uh, We get invitations to weddings, get invitations to bridal showers, baby showers, birthday parties, financial planning seminars, gala events. There are invitations that you get, some invitations you don't want, some you just desire greatly. But for you to stop for just a moment and to think that as a believer in Christ, that God, the creator of the universe who holds time and eternity in his hand, is issuing a personal invitation to you to join him in his work. That's just incredible. That is really amazing. And that's exactly the truth of what God's word is all about. You see, as we go through this study, we need to make some adjustments as to how we look at God's word. Oftentimes we'll pull out the Bible and we think that what the Bible is is a story of a bunch of individuals who have got their own activities and then we see how they relate to God. That's not it at all. 
The story of the Bible is based on God and his activities and how he works through individuals. The focus is on God. So as we go through this study, it's not a matter of you trying to figure out what you want to do in life and how you can add God to it. What each one of us needs to do is try to figure out, God, what are you doing? And then how can I join you in what you're doing? And when God begins to do this incredible work, he will invite you to be a part of that work. When God was going to bring judgment to the earth, he appeared to Noah and says, I'm going to work through you in doing this. When God wanted to create a nation for himself, he appeared to Abraham and said, I want to work this plan through you. When God decided that now was the time to have the long-awaited Savior, his son, to come to earth, he appeared to a teenage girl by the name of Mary and said, this is how the work is going to happen. And when God desired to take the gospel to the Gentile world, he appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus and he says, I'm going to accomplish what I want to do through you. So it's always God working and then he comes to us and invites us to join him in his work. One of the characters has been a focal point of this study is Moses. And when God heard the cries of the children of Israel who were in captivity in Egypt and he was ready to move them to the promised land, he appeared to Moses and invited him to join him. Now, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, I want us to look in verses 7 through 10. As you know, at the beginning of that chapter, there's this bush that is burning uh, and Moses is a shepherd kind of on the backside of the desert. He's got his father-in-law's sheep and he sees his bush burning in the distance. He begins to approach it and he notices that even as it burns, it doesn't consume itself. And then God begins to speak out of the bush and he identifies himself as to who he is. And, and, and then Moses, as he is listening to him, God begins to share this. And this is what God shares starting in the seventh verse. He says in the seventh verse, it says, and the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And he says, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is God's plan. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. So I'm going to bring them to this land. I've heard their cries. Come, I will send you. This is the invitation. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And so this is the invitation. God has revealed what he's doing and he's getting ready to, and he's inviting Moses to join him in this work. Moses did not come to God and say, hey, God, I'm looking for a new challenge in life. This shepherding thing's getting kind of old. And uh, I read the book Halftime. I feel like I'm kind of there in my life and I'm wanting to do something that's got a little bit more uh, um, eternal value to it. No, Moses is just doing his job and God has got his activity up here and his plan. And all of a sudden he revealed himself to Moses and invites him to become a part of that. So you say, okay, with this third reality, God makes that invitation. How do I identify that? How do I know what it is that, that God is doing and how to become aware of this invitation? 
Let's cover that today and give you some things that you can write down and uh, hopefully you can chew on these and allow God's Spirit to speak to you through that. Are you ready? Okay, here's the first one. The first one <clears throat> for us to how to know about this God's invitation is that we need to live in an intimate love relationship with God, which includes obey His commands. Live in an intimate love relationship with God, and I'm putting there obey His commands. Now, as I have gone back through and studied and studied and studied this, I have been drawn back to the importance, again, of the love relationship with God. Folks, let me just tell you, if all you want to know is to be able to come to God and say, hey, can you tell me what it is I'm supposed to do in life, and I don't really want to invest in our relationship, you're really going nowhere with that. It's not about what it is that you want to do in life. It's about what is God doing and how can I join him in his activity. So it starts out by living in an intimate love relationship with God. And a part of that is to obey his commands. I want you, the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is a book that is written by, about Moses giving the last words to the children of Israel. They have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and now they're just getting ready to go in the promised land. Moses is getting ready to die, and he's getting ready to hand the baton of leadership over to Joshua. And so these are the last words that he's giving to them. And listen to what he says. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And then he says, and to keep the commandments. Make note of that. To keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. And then he comes to another passage in Deuteronomy near the end of the chapter when he gets to Deuteronomy 32. And this is what he says. He added, take to heart all the words of the warning I have given you today. Pass them on as a command to your children. So they will obey every word of these instructions. And when they do that, these instructions are not just empty words. They are your life. And by obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land that you will occupy when you cross the Jordan River. God loves you deeply and profoundly. And so because of the love he has for you, his desire is for you to be able to live a life that uh, is abundant and filling. And it says he gave you commands. I see sometimes we have problems with that. We, we have problems with the fact that these are commands. As I read this, it, it took me back to uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, okay? Uh, I think there were three or seven. I don't remember how many. There are a bunch of them. Uh, I, but you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean, Jack Sparrow, and all of that. And in the very first one, uh, when uh, Elizabeth was, uh, was, was captured and placed upon the Black Pearl boat, and, and, and just as she thought they were going to, to, to kill her or do something bad, she said, the code. And she says, I, I claim the code. And it was the, it was the code of the brethren, the code of the order of the brethren. And as soon as she said the code, everybody backed off. And they brought her to Captain Barbosa. And as they brought her to Captain Barbosa, she says, because of the code, you need to release me and take me back to safety. And as he looked at her, he talked, he said, oh, he says, but Missy, he says, no. He says, what you've got to realize, the code is more what you call guidelines rather than actual rules. 
They're more guidelines other than rules. And too often, I think, when we look at Scripture and we see the word command, we look at it and go, it's really more guidelines and rules and not so much commands. It's more guidelines and suggestions. It's just some ideas that God says, it would be nice if you did this. Okay, accept it or not. But you know, if God wanted it to be suggestions, he would have called them suggestions. You could have gone back to Deuteronomy. He says, and these are suggestions I'd like for you to share with your children. But he didn't. God says, these are some commands that you need to share with your children. And the reason he does that is because he wants you to live an abundant life, a fulfilling life, and one that doesn't run into a lot of train wrecks. Now, uh, life is full of landmines. Would you agree? Life is full of landmines. And the thing about landmines is you don't know where they are. Now, I think we've got a picture. David, we've got a picture of, uh, of a church. Now, this is in Israel. And as you're on the border of Israel and Jordan, while we were traveling in the spring uh, and had some things, work, mission work in Israel and also Jordan, as we were traveling, we were visiting the uh, baptismal site of Jesus where John the Baptist baptized him, they believe, in the Jordan River. And so as we are driving on the Israel side, getting ready to go to the Jordan River, there are a bunch of signs up there that say landmines all over the place. Now, Jeremy was taking his picture. We were laughing. This is a church in here, and there's a barbed wire here, and there's a fence here. Now, for some of you, this is the way you feel like it is to come to church, okay? You say, hey, can I get an excuse not to come to church? Well, this is a great excuse. Danger. Mines. There are landmines all inside the fence of that church. So now, how many of you would say, hey, I'm going to be there at the 930 service? Raise your hand on there. See, most of you are saying, no, this gives me a great excuse to sleep in over here. Because you see, there are landmines all over the place. However, if I came to you and I said, I know the guy that knows the whole map. And he knows the map of that area. He knows where all the landmines are. And I would like for you to be able to go in that building, in this church building, because there's something incredible in there for you. It's an amazing blessing. It's worth it. Would you use his help? Now, how many of you would sit there and go, you know, that blessing in there sounds pretty good, but I don't think I need his help. I can just go on my own. How many of you would do that? Don't raise your hand because if you do, it'll be a short race because boom, you'll be gone. If you took that venture, you say, Danny, anybody would be foolish to do that. Why wouldn't they take the guide that can keep them from getting their lives just blown up? Well, same thing is true with God's word. If you read that passage in Deuteronomy, he says, I've got you to where you can have a great life. You can live life. There can be an abundance to your life. He says, if you obey these commands. And God says, if you have an intimate love relationship with me, one of the things that you will do is obey the commands I've given you. And if you obey the commands I've given you, I can help you to be able to get around the landmines of life. But if you want to go on your own, you're going to have explosions here and there and damage and all over your life. 
And most of us, when we look back at our life and we look back at the most difficult times and most damaging times of our lives, it is not because we were walking according to God's word. It's because we went away from his word and we got out on the minefield by ourselves and the explosions began to happen. For instance, what if God did this? Put it this way. Let me just make this statement to you. That whenever God gives a command, he is not restricting you, but he is freeing you. When God gives a command, he is not restricting you, but he is freeing you. And so don't look at God's word and every time you see something that's commanded to think that this is holding me back. Actually, what he's saying is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to free you up. For instance, suppose the Lord says to you, let me tell you where a beautiful, wonderful expression of love is. He says, I will provide you a spouse. And your relationship with this person will bring out the very best in you. It'll give you an opportunity to experience some of the deepest and most meaningful expressions of human love. That individual will be there to strengthen you, to trust in you, to love you, to support you during difficult times. And when you're needing strength, that person will give you strength and that person will bring joy to your life. And then I will bless you with children that will also bring a joy to your life. And God says, this is what I want to do with you. And if God says that to you, and then he comes back and says, and let me give you a command over here. Do not commit adultery. Is that command to limit and restrict you? Or is it to free you? It is not to limit and restrict you. It is to protect you and to free you to experience love at its human best. Because what happens when there's adultery that's committed within a marriage relationship? Whenever that happens, all of a sudden, trust is gone. And not only is trust gone, but then there's a break in this, in this commitment, uh, that, uh, that you have made with each other. All of a sudden, there is this hurt that begins to come in. Grief begins to take over. Bitterness begins to creep in. And it affects not only the husband and the wife, but it also affects the children, and they begin to respond differently. And then all of a sudden, there's some scars that are placed on the heart of the person that limits the way that that love can express itself in the future. So when you see God's commands, do not see them as something that is restricting you, but as something that is freeing you, freeing you. And just like that illustration, freeing you to have an incredible love with this individual and and to spend the rest of your life with them and in trust and honor and to cherish them. And so that's when God gives us those commands. He says, I want that relationship to be wonderful and strong and fulfilling. That's why I've given you this command. Hey, don't mess with anybody else. Don't commit adultery. See, God's commands are designed to guide you through life's very best. So the first thing is I would encourage us all is that we live in an intimate relationship with God by obeying his commands, number one. Number two, second is this, watch to see what the Father is doing. So you start out with an intimate relationship with God and then you begin to open your eyes and watch to see what the Father is doing. John chapter five, verse 17, 19 through 20. This is Jesus talking to his disciples and this is what he says. But Jesus answered them and he says, my father is working until now and I am working. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord. 
Jesus can't do anything on his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. Only what he sees the Father doing. That means he's watching to see where God is working. And when he sees that, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. You see, when Jesus is watching for whatever God is doing, once he sees that, boom, that's where he goes. And so for us, we need to be watching to see what God is doing. God is working all around us. And when we begin to see what God is doing, God's revelation is your invitation to join him. God's revelation is your invitation to join him. And so whenever he reveals what he is doing, you need to join him. You say, okay, Danny, if God reveals what he is doing, how do I know when it's God's activity? How do I know when it's God's activity? Well, one way to know is to think about the things that only God can do. There are some things that only God can do that no one else can do. And this, let me just give you a list of them. And when you begin to see these things, then you know that this is what God is doing. First of all, God draws people to himself. Nobody can come to God on their own. It is that God draws people to himself. Second of all, God causes people to seek after him. And so as God begins to to deal in people's lives, then they begin to turn and begin to seek him. Three is that God reveals spiritual truth. Only God can reveal spiritual truth to people. Number four is that God convicts the world of guilt. God convicts the world of guilt. Only God is the one that can convict the world of guilt regarding sin. And number five, God convicts the world of righteousness. God is the only one that's got uh, got the standard for what righteousness is and begins to convict and convince people of righteousness. And then number six is that God convicts the world of judgment. That yes, this world is going to end. And yes, my life is going to end. And yes, there will be judgment. You take these six things. And if somebody comes across your path, and they're talking about spiritual matters, and they're talking about this person of Jesus. That means that God is doing a work in their life. When they begin to talk about judgment, when they begin to come to you and say, there's something in my life that's not, I'm feeling guilty about this. I'm being convicted by this. I don't understand this. It means that there's the activity of God happening. And when you see that activity of God, that is his revelation. And at the same time, it is his invitation for you to join him. And so you look for the things that only God can do. When you see those things, that is the invitation. So we just need to keep our eyes open. We need to just keep our eyes open for what God is doing around us. And he's touching the lives of people, people that you work with, people that are your neighbors, people that are in your school, people that are on your ball club, people on your dance teams, whatever it may be. You just have your eyes open to see what it is that, that God is doing. And when you begin to sense these things or see these things, then that's when you take the next step. And let me give you this final this point here. And this is to identify the at God's activities. How do you identify God's activities? I'm just going, I want you to write down these five things so you can always keep this in mind so you're ready to accept God's invitation. Number one, the first thing is start praying. And I have shared this with you, I believe, every week. Every one of us needs to start every day and begin praying and saying, God, show me where you're working today. Show me where you're working today. Then second of all is to be able to make the connection. And what I mean by make the connection is you pray and say, oh, God, show me where it is that you're working today. And then all of a sudden when he begins to show you that, you need to make the connection of saying, this is my prayer. 
Yeah, I've used that kind of silly story before about the guy who got up in the morning and he prayed and he says, oh God, I want to share my faith with you. And he says, just lead me to someone that you feel I need to share my faith. And so he sat on a bus and as he was sitting on the bus, he just made this prayer. And as he looked up, all of a sudden this biker dude got in on the bus and he gets in on the bus and he just sits down next to this guy. And he's got piercings everywhere, tattoos all over his body. This little guy's just scared to death. And this biker dude just looks up and he screams out and he says, oh God, is there anyone here that can tell me about you and your grace? I am just a sinner. Somebody tell me. The little guy says, so God, is this the guy I'm supposed to talk to? Yes, this is the guy you're supposed to talk to. You see, but so often we sit and pray to God, show me where you're working, show me where you're working. And then all of a sudden God shows something, shows something, shows something. And we're going, okay, God, show me where I'm working. No, (laughs) this is where I'm working. Make the connection. So you begin to make that connection. Number three is ask probing questions. Ask probing questions. And that is that when someone begins to, to share some things or you begin to sense that God is working there, ask them some probing questions. Let me just give you a question to ask. Hey, how can I pray for you? You know, if somebody, you see some spiritual activity taking place in someone's life, just ask that simple question. Hey, how can I pray for you? Some people will just say, hey, just pray that everything works out fine. Some people are going to come and really delve a little bit deeper. And they can say, well, and they'll hesitate, and then you know you're, you're getting ready to get something good. I've just got this situation with my boss. All of a sudden, you begin to see a door open. Ask somebody. What is the greatest challenge that's facing you right now? What's the greatest challenge that you're facing right now? Let them just begin to open their heart and begin to, and begin to tell you. Um, what's the most significant thing happening in your life right now? What's the most significant thing? Or maybe someone has talked to you and you know them well enough and there's something that's not quite right and you say, you kind of sound like you're burdened. Is there kind of a load that you're carrying right now? I can pray for you. It's, it's those probing questions. And so we're just, I'm just asking you to keep your spiritual antennas up and keep your spiritual eyes open. And then ask you, after you ask those probing questions, number four, listen attentively. Good night. We're terrible with this, aren't we? Listen attentively. How many times has somebody poured your heart out to you and you came back and asked them a question and they had already given you that answer? Don't you feel pretty bad? on that listen attentively listen to what they're saying and then the very last thing is be prepared to respond be prepared to respond what that means is you want to have an answer an answer for what christ has done in your life you can't have an answer for all their problem but you can say well let me tell you what christ has done in my life and how his presence has helped me through similar things maybe the response is for you to say well let's just pray right now maybe the response is for you to say you know what I said, I'd like to talk to you further. How about us getting together for breakfast um, next next couple of days? Or let's have lunch. And, and, and let's let's talk further here. Let, let's go this next step. Let, let's take this next step. Because God is moving in that area. God is revealing himself. And he has revealed himself to you in his activity. And he's telling each one of you, this, this is where I am. This is where I'm working. And I am inviting you to become a part of this. It happens in individual lives. 
it happens in corporate bodies, such as the church. I believe that God heard the cries of parents of special needs children. And he issued an invitation to Debbie Sullivan, Sharon Little, Pam Bartlett, Lisa Davis, Amy Kirby. And as he issued that invitation to them, they saw where God was working. And they accepted that invitation. And because they follow that leadership, there's a special needs ministry that's here in our church. And then countless others have joined in on that. And they said, this is where God is working. And this is a need. And I'm wanting you to join me where I am. I believe that the homeless of Birmingham were crying out to God. And God heard their cry. And he approached a man by the name of Jim McFarlane. And he said, I want to invite you to become a part of what I'm doing. And so Jim McFarlane leaves his business and starts Urban Purpose. And then countless others have joined with him and joined with that, with that ministry. You see, what happens is that, is that God begins to reveal himself and he begins to, to crawl out to us. And once he makes that call to us, then he's wanting to know, will you respond to him or not? I believe that the parents of children with pediatric cancer were crying out to God saying, I need some help. When my child is going through this. And I believe he invited Andy and Jan Thrower. And he said, I want you to join me in what I'm doing. And they said, yes, Lord, we will do that. And we'll commit our lives to this. And countless others have joined with them in ministering to parents who are walking through those difficult waters. You see, this is not, all this stuff about, about Moses and the burning bush, it doesn't end there. It's happening today. The same God who revealed himself to Moses is the same God that's revealing himself to us today and is the same God that's giving us invitations and is inviting us to come and to be a part of that work. And the question is, is will we accept that invitation? You know, John Gresham and Ed Glanton, two laymen in this church, about 13 years ago, came to me and told me about something called global focus. And I pushed them aside. And I said, I, you know, I don't have time. I've got other stuff. They said, I'm telling you, this will transform the church. This is your heartbeat. And I said, I don't, uh, I'm, I pushed them aside. And I kept putting those guys off. And they set an appointment to come by my office. And they had just come from a global focus seminar in Mississippi. And they came in and they said, we have to meet with you. So they came in, they sat and they met with me. And for 30 minutes, they talked to me about global focus and what it meant. My schedule was full. I didn't want, to, didn't want to add one more thing to it. But I listened to them, and I saw the passion on their faces. And I said, I, I got to do this. This sounds like it's of God. And they said, the next one is in Brandon, Florida, and we hope that you'll attend. I made a commitment. I said, fine, I'll go. I'll go. I flew down, you know the story, I went to Brandon, Florida. I went to the first half day of the conference, and in the first half day of the conference, God just hit me right in the face and said, this is it, this is what you need to do. I walked up to Larry Reeser, the founder and director of Global Focus, and I said, I've not even seen the rest of the program. I said, I'm in, when can y'all come to our church? And because of the commitment that we made, and because God spoke through two laymen, 
And he says, I'm revealing to you that I've got a heart for the world. And Shades Mountain needs to be a part of that. And he went to these two men. He didn't come to me because I was probably too thick. Maybe I was too busy. Maybe God was speaking to me and I didn't follow that invitation. So he grabbed these two men right here. And he says, you get your pastor's heart. And they grabbed me and I saw the passion and I went. And then once I saw it, we introduced that to our church. And as we've introduced it to our church, we have gone to where we've got close to 160 people serving in 17 time zones all around the world. We take about 1,300 people on mission trips, doing 35 mission trips a year with half of those international. We are truly touching people all around the world. And at the end of this service, we're going to commission a family out of our church who's getting ready to go out into the world. You see, God was revealing his work. He said, this is what I'm doing, and I'm inviting you to join me with what I'm doing. That invitation is there. Man. So this is why I say for every one of us, we just keep our eyes open to see what it is. Let me give this last word. This last word for you, I want you to write down, and it is this. I want you to understand two essentials about God and his will. You can take this to the mic. Are you ready? Number one, the first essential about God and his will is this. God speaks when he's about to accomplish his purposes. God speaks when he's about to accomplish his purposes. There are some great things that God wants to do with some individuals that you know. And God is going to be speaking into their lives and he's going to be speaking to you, inviting you to pour into their lives. You be ready for it. God is going to be speaking to you about some things that need to happen in this church. And he's going to use you as a conduit to begin to get that ministry going and to get countless others involved. God speaks when he's about to accomplish his purposes. And last of all, is that what God initiates, he completes. What God initiates, he completes. And we're going to talk about this further, but I'll just give you a little bit of a preview for what's coming in the future, in the coming attractions over here, is that what God initiates, he completes, which means that when God calls you to do something, he will complete that, which means he will enable you to be able to do it. He will empower you and equip you to do whatever it is he's called you to do. What God initiates, he completes. And a verse to hang on to is Isaiah 46, 11. In Isaiah 46, 11, what I have said, that will I bring about. What I have planned, that will I do. When God speaks, he will complete. He guarantees it. What I have said, I will bring about. What I have planned, that will I do. When God reveals himself, his purposes, and his ways, when he makes that revelation to you about what he's doing, that is your invitation. That is your invitation to join God in what he's doing. It's my hope and my prayer that each one of us, as we go through this this next week, put our spiritual eyes on, listen to the call of God, see where he's working, And listen for the invitation that he gives to us. The burden that he places on our heart. To see where he is and say, God, man, I want to do that. I've got to get involved in that. And may we be a people that are always responding to God's revelation. Knowing that God invites us to join him in his work. Let me ask you to bow your heads. Close your eyes for just a moment. Heavenly Father, uh, in these moments that, that we have as we're coming to the close of our, of our time together, I want to pray for each one of our members that are here.
And each individual is sitting here in this worship center to know that you have a plan and to know that you reveal yourself and you reveal your activities and that you want us to join with you. Father, the greatest revelation that you've ever given is the revelation of your son, Jesus Christ, and the fact that he came and he died on a cross for the sins of all mankind so that we could have that relationship with you. And then three days later, he raised from the dead. And as he was raised from the dead, he conquered sin, he conquered death, and and is alive today and desires to speak into each life and desires for each person here to be adopted into the family, to be born again into your family through trust and faith in Jesus. So I pray, Lord, for those that are here that have never done that, that this could be the day that they listen to your invitation and respond to it. And for the rest of us, Lord, may we be wide open to whatever it is you've called us to do and for wherever you're working. And Lord, you're probably sending us some signals and some invitations and we just haven't had our eyes open. I pray you open spiritual eyes during this next week and that we'll clearly see where you're working and we'll clearly sense and hear your invitation and that we will respond. Lord, I pray in advance for the people that you bring into our lives that intersect our lives during this week. And to know that there are no accidents, but there are God appointments. And may we, through probing questions, find where they are, listen attentively to what they say, and then be ready to respond and to be used by you. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.